Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox delivers a prophetic word for the end of 2020. I uh, just been, oh my goodness, brewing something. Uh, man, I've, I'm so thankful we addressed what time church gets out last Sunday, aren't y'all? I'm so thankful. So thankful we did that. If we hadn't done that, I may be con- tempted to look at the clock right now. Uh, but since we did, I feel just so great about taking just a few moments before we do baptism, sharing something with you. A few weeks ago, I was uh, preparing for... Uh, a sermon, if you will, a word. I was just uh, communicating with the Lord, and he brought a song to my mind, and that's how it came about, and just that never lost a battle. And we took me to this curing process of curing the battle. And so before we really know what the outcome of the battle was, it has to be cured. Just like the ballot curing process And so we have to see what God says about the battle before we determine that it was a loss. And what God says about the battle is it worked for your good and for his glory. And he brought about increase to your life. So not only has he never lost a battle, but in him we've never lost a battle. And outside of him, battles we've lost, we can now put in him and he'll go back and change them to the wind column. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) <laughs> I love it. So we've never lost a battle. He is a redeemer. He is a restorer. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Amen. We are more than conquerors. And so, but we must let him cure the battle or the battle is a waste. The pain from the battle is a waste if we don't let God cure it, bring about what he intended and what he intends to bring about. He didn't cause the pain, but he'll use it. And he'll bring increase to you through it. And so we let him cure it. And so I I can't pull everything back up, but I've been talking to you. Um, I really believe the Lord has said that our lives and ministry will be marked with divine grace and power. And I believe that the sermon on curing the battle was the Lord giving me something to really display to you his desire to heal us and display his divine grace in our lives. And then last Sunday, I was going to bring the power. The Lord took me to Joel 2, Joel chapter 2, 28. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And Peter tells us in Acts 2 that this is that, that the prophet Joel prophesied about. The day of Pentecost where cloven tongues as of fire came into the upper room and sat on each of them. And they went out and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance and everyone heard them in their own language and 3,000 people were added to the church and signs and wonders followed from that day forward. 
He said, this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel, power. I believe there'll be a wealth of the supernatural that's going to be released out of the city of Knoxville, like Fort Knox. It's been a prophetic declaration over this house and over this city, and I believe we'll see it, and I believe we'll be a part of it. And I'm thankful that you're here to be a part. So I was going to talk about power last week. I, towards the end of the week, started feeling tired a little bit. And so I just, um, it would not be unnatural for me to feel tired because I have been in a season where I have not slept much. I've been pretty fired up. And so sleep has eluded me and I've not had a desire for it. But I think it caught up to me and I was tired. And so the Lord said to rest a little bit. So I was resting and just woke up Sunday morning and had a little bit of a headache. And if anybody knows headaches, that's like people say headaches are one of the symptoms of COVID-19. So I was like, I better not go to church with a headache. So I did not come to church. And uh, I just think, and by the end of the day on Sunday, I felt like a million dollars and I've ran wide open this whole week. So God is amazing. I genuinely believe that I can't go into all that the Lord is communicating, but he is communicating things to me powerfully. And last Sunday was such a sign and a wonder to me that I stayed home and I rested and it did not hinder or delay, but it actually brought increase to what God was wanting to do. Some of the best things you can ever learn is that it's not about you. And so you can get out of the way. And so it's just one of the many things that he is teaching me, which is super exciting. So I'm so thankful for Danny Pate and the word that he brought last week. I was burning at home watching that word. And he brought a word on fresh fire. We need fresh fire. We need power. And look at God. God had it planned all along what he wanted delivered last Sunday. And so I do want to just very briefly follow up today with where I was going to go, and it's a condensed version, and I believe it's awesome that it is a condensed version, but I want to release it to you. As I was preparing for curing the battle, I was looking. I, I want to take just a moment to desensationalize some things for you. I think sometimes we mystify and sensationalize things, and so everyone feels disqualified from operating in some of the things that God would like them to operate in. And because we like to use language that makes it look more about us than about him, and the, and the really bad part about using language like that is no one else thinks they can do what you did because you made it so sensational that it seems outer human, which it is outer human, but we are human that are processing what's out of human. And so sometimes in our, in our attempt to make it more powerful, we use language that makes it more unattainable. Did you understand that? Sometimes in our attempt to make it more powerful, we use language. So I'll just tell you real simple. I was looking for verses that the Lord was bringing to my mind 
through years of just knowing the Bible, studying the Bible, being raised in church, preaching sermons, I have some reservoirs of things. So when I'm thinking of God curing the battle, I'm thinking no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I'm looking that up, right? And I'm thinking he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And so I'm looking that up. He'll cure that battle. What seems like was lost, he will bring it back. And, and so does the Holy Spirit bring those to my mind or were they somewhere in my mind and he brought them back to, you know, who knows? But you can do it. How's that? And it will seem like you just thought of it, right? And it's okay. The Lord didn't say, Michael, have you, if thou considerest the years that the locust of us have eaten it? No, he didn't do it that way. It just came to me. Man, he restores the years the locusts have eaten. I said, thank you, Holy Spirit. That's powerful. What I didn't know, and Padre Rick was with us at staff, and uh, we, had, we had our staff retreat at the Bradbury house, so Padre Rick and Mama Susie were with us there, and it was glorious to have them with us, and he shared with us. And, and we were talking about this better is one day coming up, and you know his son Paul Bradbury, who was here a few weeks ago, mentioned Joel 2.12. Anybody remember that? Talking about Joel 2.12. Return to me with fasting and prayer and consecrate yourselves. And we were talking about these 24-hour worship events that we're going to be having next year. And Padre said, man, I just really love the fact that Joel 2.12 is two twelves, which is 24. I really think that needs to be something that we communicate and carry the heart of on our 24-hour worship gatherings and intercession gatherings that it's a, it's a Joel 212, two twelves. It was so powerful. So that was in the back of my mind just kind of rolling around, okay? And so Joel 2, I mean, how many reference points do you have for Joel 2? Well, that became one for me that I probably didn't have before, but Joel 212 returned to me with Fasting and prayer and consecration, right? Morning. And then, of course, I've got Joel 2.28. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know, sons and daughters shall prophesy. Oh, men will dream dreams. I've got that reference in there. Joel 2. Well, then, all of a sudden, I'm... He, the locust, okay, and so it's on my notes for that Sunday, but somehow I didn't transfer, and so I didn't get to share it. And the Lord afterwards, like, you weren't supposed to share that with... Curing the battle, that is power that I want you to share. And so I tell you all of this to tell you I believe that I have a prophetic word for our body. And I don't know how I could have demystified it any more than I just have of how I arrived at it. And the Lord may speak to people all different ways, but to me, it's just me and him. <laughs> And him trying to work through my, trying to figure things out, and him communicating things to me. And so Joel 2, now I've got, he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And I'm going to discipline myself today to not look at my notes. Because if I do, 
I will feel pressured to share every point of it. And I don't think that's what the Lord wants us to do today. So I just want to release whatever comes out and we'll move forward. Joel chapter 2, as I'm reflecting on it, after two Sundays ago, realizing, man, this is, he's wanting me to talk about him releasing power after the healing process, divine grace and power. See, the curing process precludes the power process. After he's restored the years that the locusts have eaten, then, it says, then I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So we have to submit years that locusts have eaten and trust him and see him restore it before we could ever walk in. Remember, run the race, letting him heal every wound so that you can accomplish what he sent you to accomplish. Amen? And so there has to be healing that takes place. So I just want to set up Joel 2. And again, I'm not going to use my notes, so you guys can crucify me if I misplace verses or whatever. And I'm not even going to try to do all the verses. I'm just going to try to paraphrase to you Joel 2 and what I believe the Lord is speaking. And as I begin to look at Joel 2, I could see an overlay of the times we're in today. Now, I believe this. I actually know this, but I'll present it to you as I believe it in case you disagree, then you can feel like I'm wrong, and I just it was just my opinion. But I know this, that the Word of God is alive and active and living and breathing. Okay? I know that Joel 2.28 is a reference to the day of Pentecost. That is one of the days that it is a reference to. I also believe it's a reference to hundreds and thousands, possibly millions of other days and moments in the history of time. Because somebody will be sitting somewhere in some situation at some point in some time, and the Lord will speak, Joel 2, 28. And he may say, tomorrow I'm going to pour out my spirit, and your son and your daughter are going to prophesy. Because it's alive and it's active. God does not get pigeonholed by one point on a map. He's not limited by time or space. And he can make anything happen whenever he wants to happen. And you got to get the spirit of what he's saying and not try to nail him down on some type of legalistic map. And so it's alive. And so we could discount this today and say, well, man, he's trying to use Joel 2 to talk about 2020 and 21. And now, hey, it's alive. It's alive. It's overarching, and there's pictures in Joel 2 that use different metaphors and different things that reflect different times. If you don't believe it's alive and active, you can just look at Joel 2 and you can see that there's, it represents multiple situations at one time. Joel 2 represents the locusts overcoming Egypt. Joel 2 is talking about an army coming in and it's referencing an army of locusts. It's referencing the judgment of God, but it's an army of locusts. Well, then it says they look like horses. It's like horses and chariots. So now it's locusts, it's Pharaoh's army. 
Sorry, I don't remember the name and I'm not looking at my notes, but there's an army in Revelation that is referencing the army there. So there's at least three matters of time that are in the text of Joel 2 from the start. So let's add a third and fourth and fifth today. It's okay. And so immediately I'm looking at these locusts, they come in in such a magnificent way that it blocks out the sun and it appears dark. The sun has not diminished. The sun has not retracted. The sun has not changed its intention or its purpose, but the locusts have come in in such a thick way and formation that they have made it appear that the sun has been diminished. It says that the locusts are in such a uniform capacity, none goes over on the other or comes over on the other. They are so strategic in accomplishing their task. It says that they climb over the walls and they are like a thief that steals. They bring so much devastation. It says that in front of them, it looks like the Garden of Eden but behind them, it looks like devastation. So there is an army of locusts that wants to take what God intended to be the Garden of Eden and turn it into a place of devastation. There's an army that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I wanted to tell you before I even started this, and I... I'm going to look at this part of my notes because it's another verse, but 1 Corinthians 14, 13, when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people. You like that? He speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring them comfort. When one prophesies, he speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring them comfort. Edification is okodome, builds up. Exhortation is perichalesis, calls out. Pharmuthia is consolation, it pushes forward. So it builds up, it calls out, and it pushes forward. Prophetic words that make you want to retract back, hide, store up food, collect ammunition, be afraid for your life, that is not the intention, the intention of prophecy. You can't prophesy about the overcomer and all those that have faith in him overcome and tell people they're going to perish. There's just an invitation to realign yourself with the overcomer to share in all the overcoming. The prophetic is when the Spirit of God moves beyond our mental comprehension and quickens his unseen design for us, his untapped deposit in us, and his unrealized demonstration through us. Let me say that again. The prophetic is when the Spirit of God moves beyond our mental comprehension and quickens his unseen design for us, his untapped deposit in us, his unrealized demonstration through us. 
So, I believe every prophetic word, I think, some people may disagree with me, but I believe that there's three results of a prophetic word. It's right, it's wrong, or it's false. I believe that a prophetic word can be wrong and not be a false prophetic word. Man, that's splitting hairs. Well, on Wednesday nights, we practice here, hearing what the Holy Spirit says. And I don't believe when someone is saying, Holy Spirit, will you tell me something that I can tell Jahan to bring encouragement and exhortation to her? And they tell her something that maybe isn't applicable to her life. I don't believe they're a false prophet speaking heresy. I believe they're developing a gift and they get it wrong. See, I believe we've made a transition. I believe that we don't just have the office of prophet, but I believe that everyone filled with the Holy Spirit can operate in the gift of prophecy. So we can't label everyone who is, I mean, that means everyone who is a prayed for someone and they weren't healed is a false healer. No? Too far? Okay. So I just want to disarm just a little bit, but so as I'm looking at this, it says that a heathen will rule over you. And it's the judgment of God. In Joel 2, remember this is the Old Testament, it says that this is God's army. He's actually the commander over this army of locusts. Well, we know that all judgment he put on his son. And so no longer in the New Testament is he the army, is he the commander of the army of judgment. But he allows us to get the recompense of our choices. So we, we, we receive our choices. So if we receive the dominion of the locust, then we are overcome by the locusts. And he will use that army of locusts in his great mercy to strip away from us things that cause us to not turn to him. You know, he's so sovereign and he's so powerful that anything that happens is his. You understand that? Sometimes we get so caught up on that and we're like, is God causing all this? Well, man, look, he's so sovereign. If he doesn't allow it, it can't possibly happen. Why does he allow stuff to happen? Because this is not his only focus. Every moment on this earth is not, is not his only focus. Every temporal feeling that we have is not his only focus. He's good. He's good. He's faithful. And he's just. I'm losing some of you. So this says this army says, why immediately I'm like, this is. I'm just seeing all these prophetic pictures of a national scale. Lord, is this a national word? I do not want to release a national prophetic word. I'm not even a prophet. They will definitely call me a false prophet. And I keep processing it. And you remember a few weeks ago when I said they were all scattered to their homes. Y'all remember that? Scattered to their homes. 
the greatest common denominator. And the Lord just keeps taking me down. It's not about the nation. It's about the nation within a nation. And it's about the nation within a nation within a nation. And it's about the nation within a nation within a nation within a nation. It's about the church. It's about the home. It's about the man. It's about the woman. And I believe that we have come into agreement with an army of locusts that are operating as a spirit of religion. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you have life and have it abundantly. And so quickly we just reference the thief to Satan, and it is from Satan, but the thief is not Satan. The thief is spiritual leaders who have perverted the process and tried to make themselves fathers over sheep without being instructed by the true father. Amen. And we have ran to these people and we have forsaken our mandate and our call and who we are in the kingdom and we have found it easier to let someone else who claims to have all the answers have all the answers and be the spiritual one and we have become just like little children and not in the positive sense. We let them eat for us. We let them drink for us. We let them tell us when it's a good service and when it's not a good service. We wait to see on social media if the Spirit of God was at church today, if the pastor tells us it was a really good service. We don't even know because we can't even sense it for ourselves. We chase signs and manifestations. And if this happens, if one plus two plus three plus seven happens, then the Holy Spirit was there. Do you have to see something to know when the Holy Spirit is here? Have we relegated him to formulas? Have we relegated him to a bunch of outward manifestations and not internal dwellings? It's a fine old machine that's incredibly intentional and incredibly deceptive and incredibly cooperative and it's sent to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. And what was intended for us to live in and walk in. He said, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. It's not just they which was lost. It's that which is lost. He came to seek and save the garden experience for us to live in. To walk in dominion and power and authority and freedom. And he came to restore that. But what we're living in is a land of desolation that's in the wake of the spirit of religion. 
that has robbed us of all the prophetic potential of the kingdom for this day and this time. But I will not be discouraged and I will not be delayed. But I will lay hold of what I was laid hold of for. I will walk in what he has secured for me to walk in. And we will see him restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Not only does it say your sons and daughters will prophesy, and I don't know the passage of this, the Lord just brought it to me right now, but it says your sons and daughters will restore the desolate cities. So what comes with those gifts of the Spirit come restoration of desolation, and our children are going to restore the Garden of Eden for us. Our children are going to cause us to walk in what God intended us to walk in. They're going to lead us back to where we're supposed to be. But in between this and sandwiched in this is Joel 2, 12. Joel 2, 12, I need to, I've quoted it seven times wrong. Let me read it at least once, right for you. I've captured the spirit of it, I know, but let me read it right for you. Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and tear your heart and not merely your garments. Now return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in mercy, and relenting of catastrophe. Who knows? He might turn and relent and leave a blessing behind, resulting in a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. We've done enough tearing our garments. We've done enough spiritual posturing and political posturing and showing everybody how good we are. We've done enough bumper stickering and t-shirting and big bobbling. It's time to do some heart renting and not garments. I think it's so powerful. Who knows he might turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. For the Lord your God, do you understand that it's saying he will leave a blessing that then is given into the temple, into the house? See, I think our churches are dead and not powerful because our people are dead and not powerful. We like to blame it all on the church. We like to blame it all on the church. We go to 27 of them and they're all dead. Why don't you set one of them on fire with what's on fire in you? So he's saying maybe the Lord will leave something in you that you can turn around and give it as an offering into the body. As you turn, personally turn. And then it says, gather the people. You see this? It says, you turn personally. And you come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And then you will have something to give. 
And then you call, verse 15, blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants, have the groom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priest, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace. With the nations jeering at them, why should those among the people say, where is their God? We can say America is a laughing stock, but the church is a laughing stock before America is a laughing stock. Significant that it says for the priest to position himself between the porch and the altar. I think this is such a powerful foundational truth for us to intercede correctly. See, between the altar is where they make sacrifice. And the porch is where the Shekinah glory dwell. And they were to turn their back on the sacrifice, which means all intercession, all faith, all belief has to be that there's a foundational sacrifice that is finished and done behind us. Behind us. And what is before us is the glory of God being made, faith, being made manifest that we can lay hold of. But we have constantly, constantly, I say all the time that people have itching ears and we say that they have itching ears to hear that they can do anything they want. I think religious people are the ones with itching ears that want to hear preachers tell people they can't do anything and beat them to death with their words. That's what I believe we really like to hear. Because it makes us feel okay with our little sin because there's always someone who sins worse than us. And if we can go to a church that'll point out everybody else's sin and leave ours alone, that's where we want to hang out for 35 years and just sit in our mess. This, this was family day. What am I doing? It's a little bit intense. Come on. Too intense. Come on. The kids are in here. My goodness. Two and ten. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, they say the truth. <laughs> so we've got people running to the altar every three days trying to get saved again instead of growing up and looking for the glory of God to be manifest in their life, believing that they're free and they're delivered and they don't have to run back every time they say a four-letter word and get saved again. Come on. No? No, 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 no. We don't clap around here, but I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like that was just clapping something there. It says, do not fear so many times. Let's see where we were. I, let's do this. Let's go back out of that. Okay, come on. It says the locusts were driven into the sea. The North Army is what it calls it. 
driven in to see again there's multiple connotations about what that army would be and they're all applicable in scripture but it's driven in the sea and the only thing that remains is a stench I can't wait till the only thing left of the spirit of religion is a smell and I'll be happy to put noxema under my, under my nose right here and just keep on rocking and rolling while he stinks huh come on huh Come on, just let it be a remembrance. Lord, don't even remove the smell. I want to smell it every time. I want to know he's over there rotten, dead. Stench comes up, putrid stench. And then he gives us corn. He gives us wine. He gives us oil. I don't have time today to go into those, but man, they're powerful. I'll just tell you that Jesus was walking in the New Testament and he's eating corn out of a field. And the Pharisees questioned him and he says, if you only knew the corn that was in front of you. <laughs> the perpetual Sabbath. It's no longer about a day. He came to give us a life of rest. I come to give you corn and I came to give you wine and I came to give you oil. But you got to know that the sacrifice is not yours to make. It's already been done. And you got to know that I'm calling you to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory. But all you have to do is turn to me and forsake your agreement with lesser things. And the fields were full and the crops were plenty and it was revival. He poured out his spirit on all flesh. That's the oil. And the new wine of a new covenant that he offered to them. All of this on the hills of Joel 2.12. It talks about the former rain and the latter rain. I want to get even a little more personal here. The former rain is from October to middle December. The Lord just kept taking me closer and closer to home. And I believe that Joel 2 is a prophetic word for Redemption Life Church. I believe we have begun to experience the former rain, which is a conditioning, conditioning rain, a preparatory rain. And then in March and April, the latter rain comes. And I believe that we are going to see something absolutely un precedented in the realm of the supernatural in this house in the coming years in the spring in the beginning I think it's going to sweep across the nation and I think it's going to sweep across the world we made declaration back in August it ain't over we ain't done and we've seen miraculous things take place Miraculous things. You have no idea. 
It's like when they talk about Jesus and they say, if, if we tried to write it all in the books, the world couldn't contain the books. It may not be that many things to write, but I just want to tell you that you have no idea the healing, the restoration, the deliverance, the amazing life-changing things that God has done in the lives of people in the last three, four months of this year. When they said, this is going to be the darkest days. For some people, these, these, this period of time will mark them for the rest of their life as the brightest days they've ever lived. Lives have been changed and restored. Families have been created. Identities have been changed. Names have literally been changed. Hearts have been changed. Dead have been raised. And some have gone on to receive the eternal promise, the ultimate reward. And I celebrate with them. I rejoice at death and mourn at birth. I believe there's a specific invitation for today that goes with this word. And it's tied to baptism. You know, there's this jump over between the army of locusts and the chariots and the horses. If you want to go look at Joel 2, you can see it. It's a, it's a reference of locusts. There's a reference of locusts there, and then it's a reference of they look like horses and they sound like chariots. And I believe there's an invitation for some of us to exit our agreement with the spirit of religion today. Through the Red Sea that drowns the horses and the chariots. See, when the Israelites entered into the Red Sea, the Lord said, see that army behind you? You'll never see them again. They're going to be drowned in the sea today. Do you know that the locusts actually in Egypt, the plague of locusts, did you know where they went? The Red Sea. <laughs> they, they, were, they were drowned in the Red Sea. And then later, horses and chariots were drowned in the Red Sea. And we went across on dry ground. See, it says, return to me with weeping and mourning. But you know what he says before they cross over? Stop crying and move forward. Hey, we don't stick around in weeping and mourning forever. We come in repentance and we receive the sacrifice that's been made, and then we move to Shekinah. We move to glory. We go to new levels. But today, the invitation is to repent and to drown some locusts. Maybe one person there's some people that have already signed up. I'm about to baptize them. Some of y'all are like, dude, I just wanted to be baptized. What is all this stuff about locusts and all this weird stuff? 
I got a young lady who's going to be baptized. She don't even know what I'm talking about with locusts. She's just going to be baptized. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to have a great time. She gave her heart to the Lord this summer, and she wants to be baptized today. So we're so excited. In just a moment, she's going to come up and be baptized. A few years ago now, I believe, we were down in the coffee shop. You know, I'll just go ahead and say it. I wish one baptism was enough. Sometimes it's not. I wish one deliverance was enough. But sometimes it's not. I wish one layer of the onion was enough, but sometimes it's not. Actually, I don't wish, because it's a glorious adventure. <laughs> when you think you've peaked out, and all of a sudden, you think you're as whole as you could ever be, and then he peels another layer off and heals it, and you're like, what in the world? <laughs> I thought everything was awesome before. Now everything is awesome, awesome. <laughs> He's so good, guys. And I could just go, man, through being fired from jobs and being saved from being fired from jobs. And, oh, my goodness, my journey of God's grace. But I remember a specific moment for me was a few years ago. I had this obsession with perfection. And... It was rooted in pride and a spirit of religion. A lot of things for me are rooted in a spirit of religion that I've had to deal with. And we were having baptism down at the coffee shop. And I'm telling you, we've had a few people baptized up here. I don't know. Maybe it's the church building. Y'all ain't feeling as free in here as you do as a coffee shop. Maybe it was grungy down there. So everybody wanted to get wet. I don't know. But boy, it was some moments, wasn't it? We'd end up baptizing 30 people in that little water trough. And it was so glorious. Now, I don't want to gross him out too bad, but there were floaties in that little trough. I mean, you baptize 30 people in, I think this is a 300-gallon tank, and we don't fill it all the way, so it's maybe 175 gallons of water. By the time you get done with 30 people, it's half funk and half water. Hair, probably snot, <laughs> foot jam, other jams. <laughs> Come on. I just want to paint a picture for you. I don't eat after people. I don't drink after people. I don't touch people. I don't do things. I used to iron my T-shirts and part my hair with gel so stiff you wouldn't know what was going on. And I believe, I don't remember when. I didn't know before I went, did I? <laughs> I believe it was about halfway through. The Lord said, when everybody gets done today, I want you to get in and go under that water. I was like, Lord, 
no, that's not, it's probably not going to happen today. And then I did. Something broke off of me that day. And I've never been the same. That's not all that needs to break off of me, and it's not all that ever will break off of me, but something broke off of me. I'm like, Paul, I have not arrived, but one thing I do, keep looking. Shekinah, glory, prize ahead of me. So I don't know. I believe today these folks are going to be baptizing. Maybe not. It's fine with me either way. But if you feel led, I feel like somebody needs to just come out of agreement with the spirit of religion. And let it be drowned today. that you'll never see it again. I'm talking about shame that you live in because you believe religion. I'm talking about insecurity and inferiority and complacency because you don't add up because you've believed religion. Thinking about second-guessing yourself constantly, thinking you're not qualified because you've come into agreement and you're being robbed from and you're being stole from and you're going to be destroyed by it if you don't come out of agreement with it. Because there is no winning with religion. It's a never-ending pursuit that does not yield fruit. You got to come out of agreement with it. Break the back of it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 